following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motokare Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available 709-1000. With all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. Do this, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked at him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he parted, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that th fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Thank God for his word. All right. Good morning, church. It's good to see you all this morning. Please open the Bible to Luke chapter 10. And um, we have read the scriptures in verse 25 up to 27 already. <clears throat> I'd like to start this morning with um, verse 23 and 24. If you can look on the Word of God this morning, <clears throat> Luke chapter 10, verse 23 and 24. Jesus is rejoicing in his heart because of the work that God is doing in his church, his disciples. The 70 have gone out and they've sort of conquered what they were doing in Jerusalem, and they're back. They've been given the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and nothing to hurt them. Christ is rejoicing in this. He's blessing God the Father for revealing to his disciples what they needed to know. And he turned... And he turned him unto his disciples in verse 23. And he said privately, 
privately. There were people around. There were ears around and eyes around. But Jesus privately turned to his disciples and he privately spoke to them. And he said, Blessed are the eyes that see, which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them. And to hear the things which you hear and have not heard them. I'd like to speak on the thought this morning, the desire of prophets and kings. Prophets and kings have desired God's message have been impressed on their hearts and they have preached it. They have prophesied it. Kings have desired to live forever with the thrones given to them by God. They have desired Jesus said, many have not seen, many have not heard, privately telling his disciples, you're going to hear, you're going to see, you've heard, you've seen. And at that instant, a lawyer stands up, you're going to hear, you're going to see. A lawyer stands up and he asks the question in verse 25, Master, deceitfully tempting Christ, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Last week we saw three mindsets that were prevalent in our society and in the country. And in the whole world, this mindset is shown by the life of people. And we also established that it's not really how the man thinks, rather it is what's in his heart that makes him think the way he thinks. And so we saw last week that there are three, three mindsets. Number one, what's mine is mine. I will not give it to you, even when you need it. What's yours is mine. I will get it by any means possible. Even if it means for me to kill you, I will get it. And what's mine is yours. I will share it with you if you need it. Three different mindsets. And as I look to this, I think of Mendy Town. I think of all the killings and the destructions. And I think, oh, they're playing what's mine, what's yours is mine. And I will get it by any means possible. That's the mindset. Mindset that says, I can be lawless and you have nothing to do about it. So this morning we begin with two questions. 
the questions that the lawyer has asked. We saw them last week. We're going to see them again this week. The lawyers ask these questions in verse 25, in verse 29. But before we touch those questions, I want you to look in your Bible the word tempted. There is a word that is in the Bible in verse 25. It's the word tempted. Jesus was tempted by the lawyer. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by devil. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by devil. Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden by devil. And here Jesus is again tempted by this particular lawyer. A man who claims to know the Bible tempts Jesus with a question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Question of temptation. This question and varieties of the same question were asked to Jesus 19 times in the New Testament, in the Gospels. And then he asked, who is my neighbor? A question of self-justification. I'd like for us to look at this question in verse 25, and also this morning to draw out some points from the story and then to see the point that Jesus meant when he conveyed this story. See, the desire of prophets and kings. Jesus answered the lawyer in verse 25, and he said, Go, do, and thou shalt live. Had the lawyer stopped right there, there would, have not, there would not have been the story of the Good Samaritan. Had the lawyer stopped. Had he said, Lord, but I cannot do. But he went on to justify himself. And Christ told him, go and do thou likewise at the end of the parable. See, every parable of Jesus, Jesus spoke about 40 plus parables. And most of these parables were salvation messages. Most of them spoke about eternal life. They all spoke about life hereafter and salvation in himself, in God. I want you and I to look at this story as Jesus speaking to you and I. I want you and me to be the lawyer this morning. Let's be the lawyer. Let you, let you and me listen to this as Jesus speaking to us. Jesus telling us this parable. Jesus talking to us. Maybe we will go, go home this morning thinking, yes, I have a direction this morning. See, in biblical interpretation, <clears throat> there are no hidden meanings in the Bible. There's no allegory. If any writer wanted to write an allegory, he would say it in the beginning, or he would 
interpret his story at the end of his story. And there are some stories that Jesus tells that may seem like an allegory, but they are not. Because the context of the story describes what Christ wants to convey. This is one of those stories. And this is one of the parables which is highly misunderstood by so many in this world. They actually take this parable and they measure morality. If you don't give it to the poor, what kind of Samaritan are you? You're a bad Samaritan. They measure morality. They, they, they use this as a method or a tool for social justice. My friend, that's a misinterpretation of what Jesus is wanting to point out this morning. You do good because there is first place good already in you. That's why you do good. You don't do good because you want to do good. It's already in you. One of the most misunderstood in our day and time. 185 years after Jesus was resurrected, a man called Origen. Origen, Origen was one of the church fathers, and Origen said, we can see a story in the Bible and make our own interpretations. He said, allegory is good. So take the story of the Good Samaritan and interpret the way you want it so you can have thousands of stories from one story. But that's not how the Bible is meant to be interpreted. 1,500 years later, John Calvin said these words, Oregon is entirely missing the point. So what's the point? What's the intention? What is the Lord's intention with this parable? Verse 25, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 29, and who is my neighbor? See, when you are the one asking the question, who is my neighbor, automatically you are not the neighbor, right? You are looking for the neighbor. So in this story, the rich man, the, the, rich man the, the, the lawyer is asking, who is my neighbor? It places the lawyer at the back end, and he is looking forward for a neighbor. So in this story, we will find that the neighbor is not the lawyer. But the lawyer, like you and I, is the man that is wounded and in need of a neighbor. What is the point? The point is eternal life. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. What he has accomplished for you on Calvary, that you believe in. And that's the point of this story. Eternal life. Why did Jesus tell his story? Is because the man asked about eternal life. See, Jesus had personal encounters, personal evangelisms. And such story or such encounters we can find in John chapter 3, Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Jesus has personal evangelism. 
Matthew 19, Jesus talking with the rich young ruler. And you know, you and I can learn how we can evangelize personally through these stories. How Jesus spoke to individuals in the Bible. At the moment of salvation, when one's soul trusts Jesus Christ and confesses him as their Lord and Savior, the Bible confirms that that person becomes the Son of God and he has the life of God in him, eternal life. I want you to know this, know this, and I want you to understand this. As soon as one calls upon the Lord as their personal Savior, that person has eternal life at that very point of salvation. So if you are here this morning, suppose you stop this morning, you've been telling me happiness, and at one point you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the life of God is in you. You possess the eternal life that Christ is talking about. It's in you. If you're not saved, God's life is not in you. You need God's life. Those of you who are saved this morning, you're born again, you say, I'm a Christian. God's life dwells in you. You possess the life that the Bible is talking about. Do not forget this, brothers and sisters. You possess the life that God wanted to give to those who believe in him. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life at that very point. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not when you die. No, that's wrong thinking. That's wrong theology. It's not when you die that you will have everlasting life. Everlasting life is now, today, at the moment of salvation. You accept Christ in your life, you have everlasting life. And it's not when you die. My brothers and sisters, please, please, please understand this point. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. John 3, 36a, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Galatians 2 verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Watch this. But Christ liveth in me. Watch this. And the life that I now live, I live in the flesh by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 1.27 To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 1 Timothy 1.16 How be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth Oh, friends, this morning, you possess the life of God. You. You possess eternal life. You that has been saved. You have it. That life, that breath that God first gave to the first man in the garden who lost it when he sinned, 
That same breath was breathed in your soul and awakened your dead spirit by the living spirit of Christ in you. You possess that life. You possess that life. Biblically, biblically, the triune being, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit dwells in every believer that gives their life to Christ. Biblically. The life that we now live in as a Christian, we live walking and moving about with the eternal life that God has given us this morning. I have three points. I have three points. And I will give those three points. That same life in you must be introduced to every man in this world. You have the gospel. You have the good news that Jesus saves. Share that with every man you come across in your life. Christ is in you. The, 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 the prophets talked about it. The kings talked about it. The prophets preached about it. The kings dreamed about it. Eternity. Eternity. How can I live forever? Christ came and he gave it to us. Those that believe in Jesus has eternal life. My friend, that's a biblical fact. And you possess that life. Number one, we see the lawyer's assumption. The lawyer's assumption. The lawyer assumed so many things, and we will see them this morning. Many are like the lawyer. They assume to know the gospel. They assume to know Jesus Christ. But their hearts are far from him. Many are religious. They do the right things. They say the right words. They carry the right Bibles. But their hearts are far from him. They have the gospel. They, have, they possess the life of God in them. But yet they don't stop and share that life with those who need it. The lawyer assumed so many things. He thought he had eternal life on the basis of his morality being a lawkeeper. He thought he had it. He did not have eternal life based on his morality. Zero eternal life. Zero. He's a lawyer. He knows the first five books of the Bible. He can quote them word for word. Yet, life beyond God, you know, stop again. Yes, I mean, what do? Yes, I mean, looking book Bible. Yes, I mean, memorizing Bible. Yes, I'm only in book Bible. Yes, I believe the Moses. Bell again, you know, stop one time Christ. He was far from the life that God wants him to have. There was no eternal life in him. He was just a show, a religious person. He assumed he had eternal life, but he never had it. He also thought 
that he loved the Lord based on his love for the congregation in the temple. He thought he loved the Lord, but he didn't. He also taught his neighbors were his close companions and friends. But his neighbors were different. His neighbors are everyone besides himself. He had his own neighbors, he had his own companions, he had his own morality, he had his own laws, not God's. If it were God's, he wouldn't have come and tempted Christ. If it was God's, he wouldn't have come and asked Christ a question that a lawyer shouldn't be asking. Not of God. You cannot display what you don't possess. How, how, how is it with you this morning? Does, do your family and friends know you're a Christian? Does your workmate know that you're, you're a Christian? Does the one to know that you're a Christian? How do they see Christ in you? Or do you show Christ? Or do you, do you show, do you, do you display Christ? My friend, Matthew 7, 23 and 22 and 23 says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Matthew 25, verse 41. Then he said unto them, on, on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. What a dangerous spot to be in this morning. It is very dangerous when you come to church every Sunday morning and think you are okay, but you miss the fact that your pride keeps you away from humbling yourself before Christ Jesus and asking him for mercy and forgiveness because you're a sinner. The lawyer assumes so many things. But one day, my friends, standing before God, he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. You will say, no, 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 God. I've been to Capital City Baptist Church. I've sat there in the pews all this time. How, 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 how? How, God, how? I've been, I've read the Bible. I've prayed, God, how? Why am I not going into heaven? Why am I not going into eternal life? God will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Depart. Why? Why would such a loving God say those words to human beings that he created? Why? Eternity. Eternal life. There is only one way to eternal life. If there was plenty ways, the lawyer would have been saved before he met Christ. There's only one way. There is only one way to heaven. And when the lawyer came, the lawyer stood before the door to heaven. The lawyer came and questioned, the only way to heaven is Christ. And the lawyer was there, standing right before the door, but never walked into the door. 
I hope you're not the one like this lawyer. I hope you're not like the lawyer this morning. You came right to the door and you walked away and you went. My friends, a very dangerous and sobering spot to be in is to be like the lawyer, assuming that you're saved when you're not. My friends, you need to be saved. You need salvation. You need to repent. You need salvation in Jesus Christ. You need Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because if you don't get saved this morning, he will tell you, depart from me. I never knew you. Listen to me, folks. Your religion will send you to hell. Your religion will send you to hell. What are you talking about, Brother Eric? When you come to this church, and when you don't have Christ in you, you're going to go to hell. When you come and pray in this church, you don't have Christ in you, you're going to go to hell. The Bible plainly talks about it. The Bible plainly tells us about it. Our second point this morning is the half-dead man's dilemma. The half-dead man's dilemma. There was a dilemma on this half-dead man. See, the road from Jerusalem down to Jericho is known as the bloody road. It's known as the road of blood. It's known as a road that you will find blood every time you walk this road. Because many and many and many have fallen to thieves on that road. It's called a bloody road. It's called a road of blood. See, the half-dead man that was lying there had issues. He was going down in verse 30. He was going down. And he fell among thieves. Not only did he fall among the thieves, they stripped him of his raiment. They stole from him. They robbed him. What a life. This guy is going down. Thieves come, surround him. They strip of his raiment and they wounded him and departed. What a story. They wounded him and he departed. You know, when you look at the story itself, when you look at this, this, this wounded man lying down, the the words that are describing the story are not so much describing it from our point of view. But when you read it from the perspective that the Bible was written in, this guy had open wounds. Open wounds. This guy's, maybe his arteries must have been cut. I'm not sure. He was bleeding to death, that's for sure. He was half dead. That means that his, his past life is halfway to death. 
and they left him to die. You see, we can see this morning the effects of Adam's sin. Adam's sin. Adam's sin, the effect of Adam's sin, we can see it in this one verse. Verse, in this one verse. Verse 13. He was going down, he fell among thieves, stripped of his raiment, they wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Adam's sin has affected the entire human race. Romans 5.12 Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Romans 3.10 As it is written, there is None righteous, no, not one. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23a, for the wages of sin is death. Humankind is like this man, hopeless, helpless, and half dead on his way to eternal death. He needs help. This man lying down on his road needs help. This man that has been robbed and his, and his, and his rhyme stripped and is wounded and bleeding and is half dead, he needs help. He needs help. He needs help. The world needs help. He needs the good news. The world needs the good news. He's lying there half dead. Almost going to be going into eternal damnation. Who will go down and walk down the bloody road to Jericho and rescue the perishing and the dying? Who? Who is willing to walk down this path? Who is willing? On our third point, we see the passersby's response. Normally, normally no one is saved on these roads. Normally. Normally no one is saved on these roads. Normally those who are wounded or killed or, or, or robbed, they're not saved by any, anyone, normally. So here we see a man that's dying, a man who is on his way to damnation. Death, he's half dead. He needs help. Three men come by. Triple man. Triple Gupla man, Lord Capital City Baptist Church. Only come by, Lord Islaman, MC Lipstop. Three men come by. And they all possessed what the half dead man needed. They all did. All three of them possessed what the man needed. They had it. It was within the power of their hands to save him. It was. The priest ignored completely. Close doors, greedy Christian, close circle of friends, and that's all. He ignores this man. 
completely. I said, I said these three men, men were from Capital City Baptist Church. I said it. They're from our church. The first man he ignored. The first man he ignored to help the dying man on the road. The first man had what the man possessed, what the man needed. He possessed it. But he ignored. He ignored to help him. He was from Capital City Baptist Church. It was us. It was me. It was you. I walked past. I didn't bet an eye on this guy. I know he needs help. I know he needs the gospel. I know he needs Christ. I ignore him. I ignore him. Oh, my friends. Greedy. We're so self-centered. We're so greedy with what we have. We can't go out to the road and share the gospel. Why? Why? He's in need of help. We have been so greedy with the gospel. Close circle of friends, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Where are we? Where is our Christianity? Where is the gospel? We hide it. Oh, my friends. Oh, my friends. The priest ignored completely. You know why, my, my friends, you know, you know why? You know why we don't have the Spirit of God in our services? You know why the Spirit of God doesn't move in your heart? You are greedy of the gospel you have. You know why the Spirit of God doesn't move? You are greedy of the gospel you have. You don't want to share the good news of God. You don't want to share the salvation of God. You don't want to share the eternal life that Christ has given freely. You have it. You possess that life. Share it. Why are you so being greedy? Then we see the Levite walks past. He's also from Capital City Baptist Church. The Levite walks past and he sees the man. And he goes, what can I gain from this man? What can I gain from him? He goes to this man. He sees what he can gain and he walks away without helping him. I said it. This guy is also from CCBC. He's ashamed to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ at work. He's ashamed to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ at school. He's ashamed to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ in his social and friends, with his friends, with his FB friends, with the families. All he wants is what can I get out of this man who is dying and going to hell? We should be ashamed at this point. We should be ashamed at this point. We're using what God has given us to bring the gospel to them. No, we are coming to them and seeing what we can grab out of them and walking away without one at one time spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Shame on me. Shame on me. We are so greedy. We are so self-centered. We have what he needs. Yet we don't give it to him. Oh, Christian, oh, Christian, my friend, my Christian friend, listen to me. Christian friend, listen, listen, listen. It's time 
We woke up from our sleep. It's time we woke up from our slumber. Get up. Take the gospel and give it to those around you. Why do you sleep? Why do you slumber? Wake up. See, the Samaritans were so hated by the Jews because one, when the Assyrians came and took them captive, Israel, a few of them were left. And those that were left got married to the Assyrians. And they intermarried, married, and they made this township called Samaria. They were considered outcasts. Not only that, when Nehemiah came back to rebuild the wall, the Samaritans were the ones that ridiculed Nehemiah. So, being a Jew, he thinks he has every right to snub and hate the Samaritans. He thinks he's got every right to hate the Samaritans. But my friend, he didn't know he was the one lying down in the storm. The man, the lawyer, and you and I don't realize that we are the ones lying down on the road needing help. Us, you and me. The man came and he shared what he possessed with a man that was in need. He did 10 things to the wounded man. He came to his location. He saw him. He had compassion on him. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. He set him up on his own beast. He brought him to the inn. He took care of him. He paid his two months worth of care. And then he promised to repay the caretaker if and when he would return. My friends, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you this morning. If you are saved and born again, let me encourage you. You possess the life of God. You possess eternal life. You have it because you are born again. Because the Bible says so. Because the Bible says so, you have eternal life. You possess what this man needs. You possess it. I possess it. He's there on the bloody road, dying and going to hell. And we are walking by, you and I. We are walking by this man right at this point of time. The man who will stop and help this man is the man who loves his Lord and Savior. Can I say this again? The man who will stop and share what he possesses is the man who loves his Lord and Savior. If you do not stop and help this wounded man on the road, you don't love your Savior. There is no love of the Savior in your heart because you don't want to share him the way he shared himself. Verse 29, 
who is my neighbor? Immediately we find that the man becomes the one in need of a neighbor. At the end of the story, at the end of the story, Jesus asks him in verse 36, Now, which of these three do you think was the neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Verse 29, the question of the lawyer, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Jesus asked him, who was the neighbor that came to the man that needed a neighbor? The lawyer and you and I were the man in need of the good Samaritan. The one that fell among the thieves or the half-dead person was the lawyer and all that needed salvation in Jesus Christ. The lawyer's answer was this in verse 37. And he that showed mercy on him. Just like the half-dead man, we are all hopeless and helpless and half-dead on the, on the way of blood, on the road of blood. And Jesus, the good Samaritan, bends down low to offer his gracious hand of hope and help. But my friends, see this. No matter what the lawyer saw, no matter what the lawyer heard, the lawyer did not see what Jesus was saying. The lawyer did not hear the gracious voice of the Savior in his ear. You do. You do. You see the hand of God in your life. You hear the word of God in your ears. The lawyer could not hear, the lawyer could not see because of pride and arrogance in his heart. Because the lawyer and his friends wrongly held to scripture. See, they, they, they misinterpreted Psalm 139, verse 21 and 22. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am, I, am, am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count mine enemies... I count them mine enemies. His hate for the Samaritan was called out. Now he needed to face the greatest task of loving the Samaritan in the story. Do you love God? Yes, I do. Do you love your neighbor? Yes, I do, but by my own definition. My neighbor has to be with me in the temple. My neighbor has to be from Jerusalem. My neighbor has to be the person that does the Passover with me. Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't really care for your definition of a neighbor. I don't, Lord, I don't, I, don't, I don't agree 
with the definition of a neighbor. I'm cool with mine. I love my neighbor. I love the people next to me. I love my friends. I don't, I don't love the Samaritan. I don't love him. But did you forget that the law commands us in Leviticus 19 and 34 and Deuteronomy 10 verse 19 where the scripture says that the stranger in our midst thou shalt love? Did you forget that? No, Lord, no, 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 no. Lord, you, Lord that's, that's wrong. Lord, I've studied the scriptures. I'm a lawyer, Lord. I know my neighbor. I know my law. That's what he's saying. I love, I love God, but I know my neighbors. Who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? He was the one in need. See, before Jesus begins to tell a story, in verse 21 and verse 22, we see a couple of things in here, and then we'll be done. Blessed are they are the eyes which see the things that you see. Verse 24. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have desired to hear those things which you hear but they have not seen them they have not had them. We have the privilege, just like the lawyer, to see and to hear God's word and to face the facts that eternal life is a free gift to those that believe. And all we need to do is believe. Titus 3 verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no man be justified. Romans 3, 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. See, the primal man needs God. The primal man needs God. Eternal life is man's primary need. He needs God. He needs eternal life because man's sinful heart thinks he can merit anything that he works for. But it is freely given. You cannot work for eternal life. That was the mindset of the lawyer. Eternal life is non-meritorious. One of the significant events in history is called the Reformation. So significant in the 1500s 
the effects of the Reformation rippled throughout the world, touching and somewhat changing humanity. It touched diplomatic history, cultural history, social history, economic history, intellectual history, religious history, political history. The thing that sparked this tumultuous world historical event, the thing that sparked this event called Reformation, is the Word of God. The Word of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. When Martin Luther sat down and when he read the Word of God, he came to Romans 1, 17, and it, it reads, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Romans 3, 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Mr. Lawyer, you rely on the law. You rely on the deeds of the law. No man is justified by the law. No man is justified by the law. That spark, that spark that burnt a fire in the, in the 1500s, 1600s, and 1700s, coming down till now, that spark came from the word of God. What will it take to spark your heart, to rejuvenate your heart, maybe to revive your heart, maybe to save you the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost and dying world. We need that spark at the moment. We need that spark in your heart. In your heart. You will never have that spark if you do not dwell in the word. Stick to the word. Dwell in the word. Read the word. Pray and ask God to Light that candle so you can carry that candle and share with everyone in this world. What kind of passerby are you? What kind of passerby are you? What kind of passerby are you? Are you the priest that completely ignores? Are you? I want you to pause this moment. I want you to pause this moment and ask yourself this question. What kind of passerby am I? There, is, there are souls dying and going to hell on the road. And I am walking past them. What kind of passerby am I? What kind of passerby am I? I have the gospel. I know the Bible. I know the salvation is in Jesus Christ. But I do not want to share the gospel. What kind of passerby am I? I have the gospel. But I'm ashamed to share the gospel. Because they might ridicule me. Because my friends might talk bad about me. Because my bosses may not argue with me. But I'm a Christian. 
What kind of passerby am I? My friends, God is speaking to your heart this morning. We have all failed him. We have all failed him. I wept. I wept. Starting this message and putting it together. I wept. I have failed him. I have. You have failed him. Capital City Baptist Church, we have failed him. We walk on by and not helping this man lie down. We really do. We don't want to give him the gospel. We don't want to share the gospel with him. We're ashamed to give the gospel to him. We possess what he needs. We just cannot share it with him. Why? We don't have the fire in our, our bellies. We don't have the fire of God in us. That is why. Are you saved this morning? Have you been born again? If you're not, if you're not saved, if you haven't been born again, I'm not talking to you. Really, I'm not talking to you. You need to be saved. You need to repent. Yes, you need to be born again. You need to be saved. But I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those who claim to be Christians, born again, blood-washed, Baptists from this church. I am talking to you. What will it take for you to swallow your pride and preach the gospel to this wounded man? What will it take? What will it take? What will it take? God has given us the greatest commission in this world. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. I am not a preacher, but Eric. No, 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 no. You are born again, right? Yes. Take that word and share it with your friend. I'm, I'm too small, but Eric. Have you been born again? Yes. You take that word and preach it to your friends in Papa. Take that word and preach it to your friends in Boira. Take that word and preach it to your friends in Anita. Take that word and preach it to your friends in Tokarara. Take that word and preach it to your friends in Hanobara. It's in you. Why are you ashamed? Why don't you want to help this man? God help us. God help us. Help us, Lord, to be like the Samaritan, taking what he possessed because someone needs it more and gives it to him. Friends, this morning, my heart is burdened. My heart is burdened because we are sleeping. Wake up. Let's wake up. Let's wake up. Let's take the gospel. Let's take the gospel. Let's take it to Mendy. They need the gospel. Let's take it to Wabeg. They need the gospel. Let's take it to Hanabara. They need the gospel. Bring it to Hohola. They need the gospel. Wherever you are staying, they need the gospel. Don't 
keep the gospel in your pocket. One day, you might find that your pocket burns and the gospel burns with it and you have nothing to give. Why? You never possessed it in the first place. Scariest part and I'll be done. Maybe, maybe the reason why we don't help him is because we don't have the gospel. Maybe the reason why you don't share it is because you don't have it. Maybe the reason why you don't talk about it because you never possessed it in the first place. Check your heart. Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you? Are you? He cannot give what he doesn't possess. Do you possess Christ this morning? Does Christ dwell in you this morning? Every head's bowed and every eye closed. I'd love for us to take a moment, a moment of reflection. I would like to ask Papa John to come up and and close with a word of prayer. I want you to set your heart. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to set your heart, searching bell on you. Set your heart this morning. I want you to pray. I want you to pray this morning. Christians, come to your altar. Christians, come to the altar. Christians, get up from your seat and come to the altar. Come now. Come now. You've been ashamed too long. You've been asleep too long. Get up and come to the altar. You've been ashamed. You've been asleep. You've been greedy for far too long. You've been mouse pass, mouse me and pass. Papa God, me sorry. You've been mouse pass. You come. Come to the altar. My friend, pride and arrogance will stop you from being a witness for the one who died for you. Pride and arrogance will stop you from being a witness for the one who died for you. You will never, never, ever talk about him because of your pride and your selfishness. All Christians, come and repent. Come and repent. Come and repent. Now is the time. Today is the time. You cannot do it at home. Come to the altar and repent. Come now. Come now. Let us reason, says the Lord. Come. Come now. We're going to stay here until you come. Come now, Christians. Come and repent on this altar. You've been too proud, right? You've hidden the gospel. The gospel has been hidden in your pocket. You sound not giving gospel on friends for you. My friends, come Brookham Screw. I talk sorry to the Papa God. Brookham Screw, I talk sorry. Get up, go to the house, kiss him, go gospel, talk him gospel, and look at the man, Mary, stop on street on you. We have been complacent for far too long. 
Our hearts have been callous for far too long. Let us soften our hearts and allow God and the revival fires to burn in our hearts.